0: Hey, quick break to talk about our sponsor today. We're talking about HubSpot and their new AI-powered service hub. Okay, so what is service hub? Basically, every customer today wants to be talked to in a personalized way. And before, that required tons of human agents. But now, with AI, you could do that in a personalized way with fewer humans involved. And so you don't have to scale up your team in order to deliver personalized chat and service. So check out HubSpot's new service hub to use their AI tools to give better support to your customers. That's what they want and that's what they deserve. So visit hubspot.com service to learn how this all new solution can help you deliver customer service with AI to your customers. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off. On a road, let's travel, never looking back. Like, oh, yeah. live we live we live all right i'm looking at sam he's got a like crazy background a purple background right now because he created a podcast studio in his closet i think which is kind of amazing it's uh, a
1: we're uh, at our office i i took over a closet and i put like the uh what are these things called these the uh, panels why well, we put these panels oh, the on soundproofing here panels yeah. so like i built a studio for i think less than two hundred dollars and i think it probably looks pretty good and sounds good
0: it looks better than joe rogan's ugly red uh capsule that he sits in uh imagine being so rich and famous and then building your custom studio and then it looks like that
1: <laughs> uh, that's all right he did it I, I think he said he he said he was gonna move and in two weeks he moved and had the studio maybe he'll fix it
0: right <laughs> uh, all right what are we
1: talking about let's talk okay you tell me okay so sean first of all you were in business insider today
0: yeah congratulations to me i bought the i bought the one dollar pro trial so i could read the article because i was like i was like yo to the writer i was like can you just send me the pdf of this he's like no you have to buy the trial i I have a i have a subscription
1: i would have given it to you
0: (laughs) um yeah it turned out okay
1: i yeah how'd that come about
0: um some so a guy reached out and he was asking about I don't remember what he was asking about originally he was asking about something else and so, so he's a journalist and he was asking about um something for my opinion on something and then I was like by the way um what happened he goes oh he was asking me cuz I had talked about parlor I had tweeted about parlor and he was like yo do you know who's behind this and um And I was like, I was like, no. Uh, And he was like, okay, whatever. And then he was like, hey, congrats. You made the top hundred list of emerging VCs, which who the hell knows what this list is. Really? Yeah. And so he's like, (laughs) you made this list. And I was like, thank you. He's like, can you send me a picture? I was like, yeah, sure. And then I was like uh, and then I like shot my shot. I was like, by the way, like. Um, you should do a feature on rolling funds. These things are interesting. Uh, like, look at this. I just, like, I tweeted out on September 1st, dear internet, I'm going to raise a million dollar rolling fund, uh, only from Twitter buddies and internet strangers, not taking any money from real life friends. I'm trying to go from zero to 1 million in 21 days. And I said, um, and look at this, like within five days we crossed a million and within 21 days we crossed two and a half million and then we shut it down. We, We stopped taking money. And I was like, there's a good story there. You should tell it. And then he wrote the story. Uh, so that was good.
1: That's great. Um, I want to talk about two things, but the first thing is what was the outcome of that article? Anything? Nothing, as
0: far as I could, as far as I could tell. Um, although there was no real clear to a, uh, call to action or something like that, but yeah, I think I got one person reaching out, being like, "Hey, I'd like to invest." Uh, so this one, um, which you know, I think this podcast will bring five if I mention it on the podcast <laughs> versus one and yeah. this business, business Insider.
1: I shared it. Um, And the second thing, um, which is not to be disrespectful. It's behind a
0: paywall, right?
1: I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm a subscriber. This is not a disrespect to you. But those lists, can we talk about how
0: bullshit all those lists are? such bullshit like there's that what's that quote where it's like i don't want to be a part of any club that will accept me as a member <laughs> that's how yes. i feel about these lists <laughs>
1: like here's what i think is just nonsense the so i remember when i was a little bit younger i was like i want to be on forbes 30 under 30 and Same. then i got i was like i went through the process and i was not i think someone nominates you i got nominated it might have been my coworker who I, I i really don't even remember but i went through the process i was like Oh, this is bullshit. This is what this is fake. This is awful. Right. This is yeah. not this is not prestigious, prestigious at, at all. And um,
0: and it's kind of laughed at in the in our community, at least it's like uh, a yeah. negative mark uh, of honor. It's like, oh, you played that game to try to get that like fake prize. Oh, that tells me all I need to know about you. Yeah. <laughs> so let's walk
1: people through this. So the Forbes, first of all. I don't want to sound too harsh and and because Forbes is still good in many real in, in many ways. But in general, Forbes.com is kind of bullshit. It's like yes. a pretty laughable publication. Um, the magazine I think is still kind of cool, but the the good contributing system on Forbes is just utter bullshit. And in order to get into that Forbes 30 under 30, like your PR firm will like submit you. And then if you like buddy up to the people who's making the picks, you get in it's bullshit. It's
0: horrible. Right. I I wrote a recommendation letter this year for somebody. They so this is some somebody who is uh, they're my friend. I think they're cool, but they're not like the 30 under 30, right? That should be like something really remarkable and prestigious and like why not? Why not just make the list of badass people? Why why does it have to be this weird like not pay to play, but like if you play the game, you get to you get you get to be in. So, so I referred this person. First of all, who am I to even be able to write these recommendation letters? And then, who is he to actually get it? And he became thirty to thirty, like mission accomplished by just trying. He asked two people to write recommendation letters, and they did it, and then he got in.
1: It's such bullshit, and I don't like want to hate on it because a lot of my very close friends who I love uh, are on it, and it makes them feel good. So that's cool, that's wonderful. But let's just acknowledge that it's like stupid, right? Right. (laughs) Uh, They're not stupid, but it's stupid. Uh, There's a very few lists that I think are worthy. One of them is Ink's 500 or what's it called? Inc. Inc. 5,000.
0: I think, yeah,
1: that's a legit list. So that's a list that does revenue growth, uh, for like the fastest growing companies by revenue over the past three years. Uh, I believe you need to show your financial statements in order to get that. So I think that's like a legit list. Not everyone applies. Obviously they, they phrase it like these are the fastest growing companies in America. And that's just not true. It's these are the fastest growing companies who submitted their information to us. But I think, I think that's a great list. Um, I don't know any other lists that are interesting, but, uh, if it's on Dude, HuffPo uh, or Forbes it's probably bullshit.
0: Yeah. So first of all, like, I wish I could just buy Forbes. Cause I think the name still has value, even though they've just been pissing on it for seven years about like just having no quality filter. Uh, so I wish I could just buy Forbes and like turn it into what it should be, which is like the brand that if you're in Forbes, that means you're something. And, um, and they, they should, you know, they, they figure out a business model that works there rather than what they did. Um, Secondly, the only lists that matter, in my opinion, are lists uh, that are merit based. So like the App Store charts, (laughs) like I'm interested in that list, right? Like who's in the top grossing? Um, I I would like I would like to see that list um, versus any of these kind of like vanity lists. But the opposite is also true, which is um, for all these systems. I try not to judge it. I just try to understand it and then abuse it. So I myself have dabbled with um, making lists like this, where to, to be the list maker is a great position to be in because totally. you just declare, you know, and I have a friend who did, um, the hottest guys in tech. So created a viral list of hottest guys oh. in tech. Uh, I can't say the name is an anonymous builder, uh, tell you offline. And, um, and so they made this list. I think it was like 12 people long. The website's still probably up. It's was like hottest guys in tech.com or something weird like that. And, um, put a bunch of people on it that they knew would retweet so the the criteria was not who is the hottest it was who's most likely to share this about themselves either bragging or as a joke um, because i want this to spread and then yeah people will say this is you know objectifying and and stupid uh guys of tech.com that's it well um, uh, I'm judging off who's number one i i would that's not the Greg didn't he's make not, this. He's not the builder, but it's somebody who knows Greg. Yeah. So, so he put Greg there because he knew that Greg had that like mix of like had a little following, would share it, wouldn't take it too seriously. Like, you know, like not going to like push back on him or whatever. Um, So anyways, I thought this was really funny. So I've I've been a fan of this. Jason Calacanis did this back to make his name when he was um, in New York with Silicon Alley Insider, I think is the name of his like original thing. Um, he wanted to become kind of like a power player in the New York tech and business scene. And so he created the Silicon Alley. What was it? Silicon Alley. Um, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was like the top hundred or something like that. And, um, Yeah, Silicon Alley, Silicon Alley 100, I think it was called. I I don't remember exactly, but he, he basically was like, oh, this was my excuse to meet every single power player. Uh, they did an interview with me. They sent me their headshots. They wanted to be on the list. I could kind of decide who's in front of who. And because I was the kingmaker of deciding who's on the list, all of a sudden I became a power player, uh, in that scene. And I just think this is like massively underrated. If I was at any college, I was a bored college kid. I would 100% uh, do two lists. One is the hottest, hottest guy list. Um, and then the, like the other one would be kind of like the power rankings of so the who's going to be the most successful person out of, out of this college. So two things. First, this. let's talk about that
1: as a business. But before that... So when I launched... So my company before this, we had a roommate matching app. And in order to make it popular, we weren't going to spend any money in marketing, but I knew how to make things go viral and one of the there's a few tenants or a few rules for making things go viral. A couple of them are to uh, be very specific and name names that only certain people know but they're passionate about and When we had our app we were we launched in chicago boston new york l a and San francisco, and one other city and we made infographics that ha- it was like the stereotypical roommates of different neighborhoods right <laughs> and we said like and we very specifically did it this way because we said like all right so for those of you who don't live in san francisco the there's this neighborhood called the marina and they're stereotyped as frat bro so we put like eats at this restaurant every morning um yep. uh wears this type of clothing which is like a local marina shop get eats cupcakes here we did all that type of shit and it got shared like crazy so the 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 strategy was name as many names as possible and we piled it with names and then we emailed <laughs> all the people who we mentioned and it got seen by millions of people in the first months and we got tens of
0: thousands of free users from it
1: it works so I well. i
0: love that that is an ex- that is a perfect example of this this marketing idea and tactic that i've always like again observed hey this is pretty effective it's also kind of bullshit Wait, could I create some bullshit like this and have those effects? And I've always wanted to have some excuse to do it. And I never really did have the excuse to do it. And that is an amazing, perfect example. I love that.
1: I'll, I'll find it. And the way that we did this was and like, look at this. Like, I just found an, an article like so we did it about different neighborhood, different neighborhoods. And check this out. So um, I just sent you one. I that think we did I might from- have
0: seen this, by the way, before I moved to San Francisco. I think I saw this because. I wanted to know which neighborhood to live in. And uh, there was this one and there was another like guide to San Francisco neighborhoods that were like designed like this. Like you have a, for people who can't see it. uh, He just sent me a a article on curbed curb.com for Chicago. And it's like all the different neighborhoods and there's like a little illustration and it's like, here's what the rent is. Here's kind of like where you're going to find this person, you know, like Bronzeville, you'll probably find this person protesting a new billboard on 31st street. So it's like, these things that are going to get a reaction out of people. Smart. And what's funny is that I had never even been to
1: Boston when I wrote this. Or I I don't I didn't know any of this. We found all of it on Yelp. We just went on Yelp and we looked at which had the most reviews. And that's what we used. Um, this, and the second thing that's really interesting about these lists is that I like, do you realize that when we say like the Fortune 500, it's named after Fortune Magazine, like I, I use that, <laughs> right. but I use that word so often that I like don't even I I. Be, it's like when you say like Michelin star restaurants, you forget that that's like Michelin tires or right. um New York Times bestseller. Like you often like it's bigger. The New York Times bestseller is bigger than New York Times, um <laughs> and there's like many lists like that. Like I, I would have to think of a few, but I think these lists can actually be big businesses. Same with JD Power Award, which is a right. billion dollar company. Same with um. There's just so many. Uh, So these lists are like shockingly big businesses. I think sometimes they're scams, but not all the time. But this list-making business, we have to categorize what this is and like come up with cool ideas around it.
0: I I call it king making Um, when you decide who's, who's who, right? Like, so, so a found a Silicon Alley reporter. 100 was a list of the hundred most influential people in New York technology. Put like, you're, you're just deciding who's the king. And because you're deciding who's the king, you're the actual king. Um, Right. Your, your name is on the list. Everybody starts catering to you. You start getting access. People start submitting applications and, Literally, the fucking thing didn't exist before you just arbitrarily decided to name it, and everybody, you know, even if they mock it initially, they will buy in. Nobody wants to be at the bottom of the list. Nobody wants to be left off the list
1: and the thing is is that a lot of people are like, Well, who am I to start this list? Um it doesn't matter right, <laughs> as long as point. you <laughs> as long as you make it, the people who are involved will likely share it. Like right. I share it, all that shit if I'm involved in it.
0: It takes some finesse. Yeah. Like if I told you right now, we just shat on Forbes 30 under 30. If they said, Sam, push this button right in front of you. If you just put the push the X key on your laptop right now and you're on the list. And if you don't want to be on the list, just don't push that X key. Would of you push course, it? I'm I would gonna, push it. I'd be yeah, like, I'm on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And like, I realize that sounds hypocritical, but...
0: Yeah, whatever. Fuck yeah. Em. But it's not, actually, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying uh,
1: it's a bullshit game, but I'll play it every right. once in a while.
0: If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out, listen to D2C Pod wherever you get your podcast.
1: So this uh, what I wanted to talk about was you you had this thing called All Access Pass and yeah. you shut it down. Can you tell me why and what it what it was and why you shut it down?
0: Right. Okay, what it was. So uh, the podcast that we do here, we just do a bunch of ideas. So let's say the, let's take the idea we just did. Uh, hey, there's this business model type that you uh, or maybe it's a marketing tactic called king making that you guys talked about. That's really cool, cool idea. And what we do is the conversation has now ended and we're going to move on with our life. We're going to talk about the next topic and the next topic, and the next topic. And we're never going to go past that surface level, right? Like the podcast is designed to be about ideas and it's about it's designed to be more like rapid fire. We're not like promising some thorough investigation of ideas. So the number one question I would get, and I'm sure you get it too in your inbox all the time. is like, dude, I love that idea. I want to do it. Like, will you advise me? Or like, how would I, how should I do it? Or I have this other idea. How would you do it? And it's like, dude, I don't know. Like so context dependent. I don't know. I'd have to take time to figure, figure shit out. I don't just like know the answer. Like the answer is in spending a bunch of months trying to figure it out. And so, um, so I was like, okay, well, and people were asking me, like, do you want to do a course, uh, like a course where you teach people about, like, how to do a startup? I was like, well, there's no, like, just catch all, like how to do it. Uh, that's too generic. I said, but maybe I could do something different. I said, I spent a lot of time in my life doing, like, zero to one of businesses. Uh, I ran a freaking idea lab for six years. And in an idea lab, you're just cooking up an idea and you're trying to make it ha- make it happen every single time. Zero to one, zero to one. And so I thought, I'm pretty – like, I have, I have gotten good at this over time. What if what I did was – I have a few projects in mind of things that I think could be cool to do. Um, what if I just built them in public? So what if I just published uh not just like how it went, but like the day-to-day, what did I do today? What did I do tomorrow? What did I do the third day? What did I do the fourth day? And so people can follow along. And like it's not gonna really like apply to their project like one to one, because they're not gonna be doing the same thing as me and they're not gonna have the same exact skill set as me. But I thought. You know, the way one of the ways I got good at shit was just by shadowing other people who are really good at shit. And then you see how they execute and you're like, oh, fuck, that's the level of aggression, action taking. Uh, that's the framework they use to think about things like I should be like that. So anyways, all access pass was this experiment where I said, all right. If you pay me 200 bucks a month, you get on my paid newsletter and the paid newsletter is going to go out five or six times a week. And I'm basically just going to say day one of this project. What did I do? Day two? What did I do? Day three? What did I do? And I said, I'm going to do this for a season. My season is going to be four months long. And so I've now done it for three months. And I just yesterday emailed the whole list um, of people and saying, hey, I'm going to shut it off after three. Like, and here's why. Um, so that's a high level like, overview. We can take it in whatever direction you want. Can you say how many people signed up or do you want one too? Yeah, yeah, sure. Like now that's over, who cares? Um, so basically, I was like, this will be good if I can get uh, it's 20K a month of revenue coming from this. I thought that but would be like
1: 20K as in uh, 200 times or uh, sorry, 100 times 200.
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, what ended up happening was I had about 300 something subscribers. There was two prices. Initially it was 150, then it became 200. Uh, so I was making 50K a month off this for the last three months. And so some people were like, are you nuts, dude? Your paid newsletter is making $50,000 a month. You're going to turn it off? Like, you know, what kind of asshole are you? And, I, you know, I feel that. But I had my reasons to be like, look, this is a lot of time and energy it's taking. And that time and energy, I, I kind of want to put in other places. Did
1: you, do you think, so when I hear $200 a month, I'm like, that's pretty expensive. Do you, um, was that priced correctly?
0: I think so. So I think it's the most that you can charge for something like this. I think once you go into like a thousand dollars or whatever, you're really like only a certain type of person who has a certain business that's already really successful can pay for that, uh, can justify paying for it, or you'd have to get their work to pay for it. Um, so for this case, I think this was like it was high, right? Most paid newsletters if you go to Substack or whatever, like I bet you I was like, I don't know, in the top 0.01% of Substack earners. You would have been the most expensive one. Yeah, I'm just saying like overall revenue per month. I'm sure there's some that are like publications that make a little bit more, but like as an individual and from day 1, like I think that was pretty high. I was a lot, it was a lot more than I thought I was going to make. Um and I didn't do it on Substack because I didn't want to pay them the 5 or 10%, whatever they take. That, that, that'd be like 10 grand a month, you know? So that, that was a lot. So um, anyways, I lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, the price. So so I priced it at just like what I thought it was like what I thought the market would bear. Um, I think it was the right price because f- I think it was a lot for most people don't have a subscription. That's 200 bucks a month that period in their like their monthly bill. But at the same time, like for anybody who's doing a business, which was kind of the the group of people that were that were tuning in or people who wanted to do a business, um, I made damn sure that they got the value. And I'm not just saying that, like, I, obviously, I'm not selling anything now, like I shut it down. But like, I felt like this extreme obligation because I was like, fuck, for these people, for most people, 200 bucks a month like for me, like that's a, that's a expensive subscription, like for an email, this email better have like golden nuggets that's going to like show me something, teach me something, help me with my thing. Way more than $200 of value. And if you have a business, it's not hard to get an insight that's going to give you more than $200 of value back. What was your churn? So the retention was 93 point something percent uh, over the months. So
1: Over one month or, or the three month?
0: Over the three, yeah. That's great. Yeah. So that was great. And most of it was just in the first month. Like, you know, people who were like, oh, you know, I can't pay for the next month or I didn't like this or "It's not what I expected. Um, so the retention was amazing. Ninety three percent retention. Um, let's see. What are, what are the other stats that matter? Yeah, that was kind of it. And then I had a free version also. So I was like, "Yo, if you can't pay, um, there's a free version. Basically, every Sunday I'll send you one of the five post of the week, I'll unlock it for you and you can tune into that. And then, so that grew my free list basically like double, like two X to kind of like my free list through people sharing that stuff. And ultimately the reason I shut it down is because my life goal is, I've talked about this kind of cheesy, but like, whatever, my life goal is I want to be, uh, a, a, like a teacher, like I want to be a teacher at scale. Like I want, and um, I set myself a goal for the decade, which was in 10 years, can I get to teaching 70 million people? Uh, which is like 1% of the world's population. And can that can, you know, for 70 million people, could they think of me as like a teacher who really helped them? Uh, one of their favorite teachers, that would be like my decade goal. And so I thought, well, I'm doing a lot of teaching right now, but I'm teaching like 350 people. Um, you know, wh- that's not going to, I'm making a lot of money, but my reach is so small. And I was like, fuck it. I need to switch. I need to put all my effort into the free audience. Cause that's going to be the mass audience. Cause that's my actual goal. My goal is not to add an extra, you know, zero to my bank account.
1: Do you, um, I, uh, the business that you're, did the business that you were documenting, I know you don't like talking about it, so we're not, we don't not going to talk about it, but was it, is it doing well, like well enough that you're like, I got to focus on this.
0: Yeah, that was part of it. Um, like you know, the business itself is an asset. That's like, you know, that the time spent there versus writing the email is, is, you know, better spent. Um. So, so I basically, did, did did I promised three things? I said, I'm gonna launch a fund, which I wanted to do anyways. I said, I'll show you how I raise this money, how do I launch this fund, and what what are my tactics to do that, and what goes into this. And so, I, I did that one. That was successful. That was the first month. And then the second month was uh, e-commerce. So I showed people how do you get e-commerce ideas? Where do I look for ideas? How do you validate demand for that product? How do you know you're not you know working on a dud? Uh, how do you get it sourced? You know how do you work with a factory? How do you negotiate all this stuff? And then uh, how do you actually grow an e-commerce store? And so that's kind of what I, you know, was showing. Um, and I was using my wife's uh, like uh, e-commerce store for that. So I, so I didn't have to, I did the sourcing separately. And then for the growing a store, because sourcing takes time, right? There's like a lead time of like two months to get a product. Um, so I, I didn't want to leave people waiting. So that's kind of how I did that one. And the last one was going to be an online course. And I ended up doing like a workshop and some things like that. But I was like, this is just A, too much work. And B, I invested in... Um, our our mutual friend, Gagan Biani's new education startup, a new course platform. And as part of that, that deal was obviously very hard to get into because he's a baller entrepreneur. He built Udemy, he built Sprig, like a lot of people wanted to invest. And part of my pitch to let me into the round was, yo, if you let me invest, I'll launch my course on your platform when it's ready. Um, And so uh, it's not ready yet. So basically I hadn't done that project.
1: Yeah, I saw that he asked me to or he invited me to have a discussion about it. I yeah. didn't end up doing it because I was too busy and I just missed the call. We didn't right. schedule a call. I was like, I, I can't really focus on this right now. Um, maybe I'll regret it. But uh, and you helped okay.
0: him figure it out because he did a course on uh, with yeah. the trends community as one of his like like in his investor deck. He's like, here's what I've been doing because like we don't have users. We don't have revenue. But how do we how can I say I have traction? It was like, well, I've actually been prototyping and testing this. I did one, I did a course with the trends community. I did a course with this other thing. I, I became a student in these five courses and that's how I've learned about, and that's informed my new business.
1: Yes. And, uh, he introduced me to his co-founder and I was like, Hey, I just, I have a way too much on my plate at the moment. I I don't want to get, I can't, I can't get involved in anything else. I'm sorry. And I have a feeling that's going to cost me some money, but that's okay. I I couldn't get to it. Um, yeah, that's a phrase
0: I need to learn. (laughs)
1: <laughs> what's that like i just can't. i have too much
0: on my plate i can't do this right now sorry
1: yeah i i couldn't i just i didn't have time and i actually i acknowledged i would he's he's gonna be at least mildly successful i just right i didn't have the bandwidth um what did people say when you canceled were they upset
0: you know by the time you get to like month 3 of a thing and you know i put out 50 pieces of content uh, that were like not just like pieces of content like i tried to make them all fucking good um and i put out 50 pieces of content in like i don't know 70 days or something crazy like that so um by that point i think people a, understood like yeah this this does seem like you know this is keeping you up at night right I'm sending these emails at like 1am because after work after the baby gets to bed after I walk the dog after you know we do the podcast after all my obligations are done then I would bang this thing out so I think they understood like yeah this is probably you know a lot of work and then the second thing was um I think you 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 earned some loyalty and trust so I'm sure some people were like pissed but people are polite to your face usually there's there was one or two people that were like kind of dicks about it they were like dude you said and I was like yeah I know I said I'm sorry like
1: but and you're getting you know. your money back, right? Or like you're canceling it. It's not yeah, like they're paying, paying, for, paying for something
0: you're not getting. But they were like, but, oh, I really wanted to learn the course thing and you never got to it. And I'm like, yeah, no, sorry. Shit happens.
1: That's pretty funny. And did all the people come from this podcast?
0: A majority, I think. Uh, like That's crazy. To, to promote the thing, uh, I basically put out some free written stuff and then I did a six minute little podcast teaser about it, uh, that I posted on the feed. And so those are the two, and I posted in the Facebook group as well. So those are the three things I did to promote it. I didn't do anything beyond that to, to promote it.
1: It's pretty crazy
0: how, and I, I should art- definitely say, by the way, I didn't do this myself. So, uh, I recruited somebody from the community, this guy, Ben, uh, to be like, ben kind Levy, of like right? the main operator of this thing. Cause I didn't have the time. And, and I was very upfront about that to everybody. I was like, the, you know, this email is like written by Ben. Ben did this thing. Uh, it's not me doing everything. Um, and so Ben Levy was like the reason I was able to do this. If I, if I didn't have Ben, it would have been impossible and it would have sucked. And I would have quit way earlier because I'm a quitter in that sense.
1: I definitely am like amazed that like, so this podcast, let's just be round up a little bit. We're in like the 400,000 ish uh, listeners per month listens per month. I don't know if I actually don't know if that means unique or what. Um, yeah. But it's still like modest. It's not like the biggest thing it's not small but it's not the biggest thing i'm still shocked me that that's how much revenue can be generated from a relatively small audience uh it shocks me yeah
0: it 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 really is uh it really is quite shocking uh but i think it's like you know this is the theory right like the reason i do the podcast the reason i did the paid newsletter the reason i do all that stuff is cuz like i'm a big fan of this model of solopreneurship and being a creator making stuff and then having fans who like the stuff you make, pay for it. Um, I just think that that is a really good business model. I think it keeps you honest. I think it keeps you making good stuff over time. And I think it's really defensible. Um, and so so I'm a fan of this. And like, you know, the company I work at, Twitch, is literally the mission of the company is to like empower creators. Um, Twitch is just full of like a million, you know, creators who have their own channel and they, they run their own business and they share the revenue. And, um, and so I'm just a big fan of this like creator... Like the creator economy, basically. This was my experiment to dabble and be a creator and not just like building tools for creators.
1: Great. I'm all in. I think it was cool.
0: Um, I got a couple ideas I wanted to throw you away. Let me start with this first one. This, this is an idea that already exists. Uh, it's called cul-de-sac. Have you seen this startup called cul-de-sac?
1: No, I'm pulling up our list and I'm going uh, uh, go to I'm go to it. The
0: URL is like... Uh, they sp-
1: spelled it a little funny. A five-minute city cul-de-sac. <laughs>
0: Exactly. So their tagline is "It's a five minute city." So it's basically a startup where they're 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 in Tempe, Arizona, and
1: they're building ah, a little. Yes, mi- I know the neighborhood. I know this well. So tell me what you know. Well, uh, it's a, it, they have big name people. Who is it?
0: So I think uh, the it's a lot of I think they're ex-Open Door people. Um, and so Keith Raboy, I think, was one of their investors, but. Um, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't have a ton of information of who's, you know, ultimately behind it. Um, I think they went through YC or they're going through YC right now. Uh, or no, they went through YC 2018. So they, they went a while back. There's not a lot of information about it, but basically they're building a five minute city, which means that, you know, where you work, where you exercise, where you eat, where you hang out, your outdoor space is all five minutes away. So it's a walkable, it's like a total walking, walking lifestyle. And you're in this little neighborhood that has... Every single thing you need from you need to get fresh produce. You want to get uh, you know coffee. You want to eat at a restaurant. You want to work out. It's all there. And I, lifestyle wise, I, I would love to live in a five minute city. I think that's like kind of a dream. Um, what do you think of this concept as a liver and as a business? Okay, so.
1: I first want to acknowledge how douchey this is like this is like <laughs> if it if it becomes like the startup thing and it's a bunch of like startup people and people very like homogenous group uh, like we have to acknowledge that that's just a circle jerk and it's kind of lame at the same time it's cool and I would want to participate in it Do you know what I mean like <laughs>
0: yeah. that's the theme of this like, episode uh, bullshit like, things that uh, <laughs> I'd love to be a part of
1: <laughs> like I would probably have fun um But it's basically like a TED talk that you. If it turns into a TED talk that you live at, then it could get a little <laughs> exhausting. Do you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, that's great. That's a great way of putting it. Um, like, and okay, that, yes. that's
1: that's what it looks like. I see like three different golden retrievers in the picture, an airstream <laughs> a, an airstream shit trailer, and tons of white people wearing Lululemon. Like, that's what like the picture is. Yeah. So I think like. I would be a little nervous about participating in that. Yet, At the same time, I'd probably be into it.
0: Right. Exactly. It's like if Lululemon and whole foods and Barry's bootcamp, like decided to share a space basically. Um, And so, so I think that there's definitely like a douche factor that's, that that's possible and will naturally be attracted to something like this. But okay, here's, here's my take. I think commuting definitely fucking sucks. And I think that like, the lifestyle where, you know, I'm in a suburban neighborhood now, you drive 15 minutes to some shopping center. You get, So, I, you know, I take my SUV to a shopping center, a park. I get out, I go into some big store and then I like have no relationship with them and I buy my thing and I drive back. I think that's kind of lame. Um, and so I love the idea of the five minute city. I think the douche factor is really real where you would, the, the key would be to not just get the same type of person 500 times uh, to live there. Uh, and make it just like this totally homogenous city. Um, and then the other thing is, like, as a business, I wonder how this will work because I think this is like basically you know a real estate development play branded as a tech startup and raising money as a tech startup, which I think makes no sense.
1: Yes, I also want to acknowledge that. Which is, I think this could be a great business, but this isn't like new. Like, there's right. it's it's just a planned community, which they have they've we've had this since 1910. Like, this is yep. like it's it it, it works wonderfully or it can work wonderfully. Planned communities could be pretty great and they're great because they're often planned quite well. And so I'm on board with that. I do I do want to acknowledge that it is an old idea that's just uh done with cute branding, which I'm on board with. Um so I think this is going to be pretty cool. I don't know, man, can you convince a bunch of people to move to Tempe though?
0: <laughs> yeah I, I don't think so um I, I'm, I'm surprised surprised they chose that um as their they location just chose but austin
1: because sh- that's where everyone's sure going austin or somewhere where like yeah like chicago or like where there's a lot of people willing
0: to be already so there's one um there's one variant of this that i think is is different and where you i don't know if you'll be able to find the name of this i can't remember the name off the top of my head but Somebody told me about a version of this planned community that I think is also cool, which is actually catering towards immigrants that live in America. So people like my parents. So my parents are Indian. They uh, mostly in their social circle have like Indian friends because like the holidays and the food and like the whatever. That's who they get along with. Language is easy. Um, and so somebody and, and being an immigrant in America is like hard in a whole bunch of ways. You're sort of at a disadvantage and um, not welcome to not accept it in a lot of different scenarios. Uh, but I found some real estate developer who basically was building these little neighborhoods that were just for like, you know, like brown parents. Uh, and it wasn't like uh, it's was obviously it's not reserved for that. Like anybody can buy there, but like word spread and a bunch of Indian families, parents whose kids all went to college and moved away. And these empty nesters all moved into this one neighborhood and in the center of the neighborhood. They had like these kind of shared amenities, uh, which was like, you know, like maybe like a religious place and maybe like a food like like kind of a dining hall where they could like have a chef that's always making food there. And I thought this was a great concept. I would love to put my parents in a place like that where their social scene is like made for them. So they're not just like alone in their house, you know, till they get old. Well, it's
1: called a nursing home, but yeah, (laughs) no, I'm joking. (laughs) Um, So like my uh, Neville, my best bud Neville, he's Zoroastrian, which is like a, uh, he calls himself. uh, He was like, we're kind of like Jews in India. Uh, which I don't exactly know <laughs> what that means, but it basically it's a subset of Indian I don't really know exactly what it is. I think right. it's a religion or a cult, I don't know how they define themselves. You're anyway,
0: for even trying. Okay, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, I don't know if it's culture or race, religion, whatever it is, he identifies as Zoroastrian and he said that when him and his parents moved here, they surrounded themselves on the same block with some Zoroastrians as well as other Indians and so he was like, it was the best thing ever. We were raised around other immigrant parents, but we were trying to fit in and be American, but we still had Indian roots. So it was really nice to have that. And so what we're doing now here in Austin, where I'm living now, is I bought a house and Neville is going to move down the block. He's looking at a house on right. the block. And then Ramon is moving here in January, my other best yep. buddy. And so we're all trying to move on the same block because we're trying to recreate this. Yes, and so that's, that's the I'm, dream. I'm totally, I'm totally
0: into it that that is the dream um i I love that uh so so anyways i think it's a cool idea and more than this cul-de-sac idea is actually i like your idea better which is i think uh life would be great if you basically had a you know your family lives in your house and then your friends live on your block Uh, i think that's like you know the most the most quality of life improvement you you could possibly have
1: and isn't I I mean, I don't know too much about Indian culture, but I do have a bunch of Indian friends. It's quite normal to have your for the families like mom and dad to live with you until you're old. Right. I mean, like it's normal to have like a shared house.
0: Yeah. Traditionally, the parents would live with, I think, the oldest son, maybe. Um, But depends kind of how old school you are. So like for my family, my family is pretty like modern. My mom, like, you know torrents movies off of like BitTorrent and shit. Like, you know, like we're not like in that like kind of old school mindset. And so, so that's not really kind of how we think about it. Um, Although I think it'd be great. I would love for my mom to live with me. It'd be dope, but, but uh, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to.
1: (laughs) You know who another guy who's trying to do something like this that I'm actually, I'm realizing it's not the same entirely. And he's, I think he wanted to come on here and he's like a kind of a shady well, I'm not going to judge him, but a lot of people would call him kind of shady. Is that Grant Cardone guy. So this guy, right. he sells like courses like Ty Lopez for like $2,000 on how to sell or something, and he uses that money to buy property and at this point he's got this whole line of properties called like 10X 10X properties or something. And the reason why I thought of him is a you just shared the founder's LinkedIn of this uh what's it called this uh cul-de-sac, cul-de-sac. Yep. and people also viewed people who work at grant cardone's right. 10x properties so i wonder if they're trying to poach a bunch of people from there um that's funny but it's uh he's trying to do something similar to that as well it's an interesting play so,
0: so here, here's another kind of f- fun idea uh curious what you think about this the uh, do you know who this guy tiago forte is yes he's like you know Uh, also a creator kind of solopreneur guy online teaches courses about uh, things called building a second brain. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of a weird, weird idea, but people are into it for whatever reason. It's like a note taking app, a note taking course, I guess, uh, how to be organized or something like that. And uh, this dude's like crushing it. He's making like a million and a half dollars a year easily uh, on his courses. And um, he, I think it was him. He tweeted out like, Yo, I, uh, you know, we've been talking about like these tiny homes or prefab manufactured homes. They tweeted out, Hey, I bought these, I think in Austin, actually, um, a few of these cabins and, you know, uh, it's underway. And next year we're going to have a retreat for, you know, um, makers and kind of creators, to be able to just come and stay. And this will just be a year round place. You can come and stay and be in a little, you're in your cabin and you're the, the cabins next to you are other creators and makers. And we'll just be able to rent these out. And um, I'm making my own little kind of creator village. Um, I think I got the, the concept at least half right. barry just showed me the tweet. Um, so he says, here it is Forte shelter uh, to be delivered by next year to creator cabins by Jonathan Hills. Okay. So maybe it's not him. Um, a set of creative workspaces for remote workers, online creators, and entrepreneurs, um, which also fund conservation efforts. And it's CreatorCabins.com is the the concept of it, um, where you can go as a creator and go live in these fucking cabins. What do you think?
1: I'm looking at it now. Um, this is going to be huge. I, I don't know if it'd be huge. It's going to be pretty good. Um, there's another business that we mentioned a few weeks ago. It's called uh, Getaway. Um, yeah, this is going to crush this. Uh, it, I'm on Forte uh, ForteShelter.com.
0: Right. Okay. Maybe that's, uh, a, I think creator cabins.com. Maybe it's the same thing. I don't know. But, oh no, um, for, uh,
1: no forte shelter. It's the guy. This is him. His pictures here. I guess he makes these little tiny home things. They're just trailers or something like that. Anyway, I'm totally in on that. I think this is going to be cool. Uh,
0: so what I think is cool about this, uh, what I'm studying about this, I, I, I don't really personally, it just lifestyle wise. I'm not going to go to this cabin now, but maybe when I was younger, that would have been awesome. Um, you know, the, the, what I like is that the solopreneurs are, are are dabbling with different models. So, like, for example, I looked at all the different solopreneur models um, that are out there. I looked at Tim Ferriss. I looked at Pomp. I looked at uh, Tiago Forte. I looked at a whole bunch of different guys that are out there. Seth Godin. And what was striking to me was that the old wave of, like, most famous ones, like uh, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vee, uh, Seth Godin, I felt like we're hugely under monetized. Like the models that they picked to like capitalize on their, their rabid following were like, Tim Ferriss is,
1: is great. He probably made $200 million.
0: Well, he made $200 million off of an Uber investment, not off of his fan base. Um, Right. Like, so you could, you could say that like, okay, he got access to the Uber investment because he's Tim Ferriss. That's a part of it for sure. But he didn't a raise a fund, so he was investing his own money when he could have been uh, using fan money basically to to invest. Um, didn't do a course. Would have. I bet his course would have been pulling in five million dollars a year easily um, uh, around the four hour work week. Right? He chose books and ads from a podcast as his two models, and he's so popular that he still made a killing doing those two. Uh, but that killing is like there's people with an audience a fraction of his size that are making as much money, if not more, than he's making off his podcast and books. Um, Tiago Forte being a great example. I bet you Tiago Forte is making almost as much as Tim Ferriss does off his podcast ads or his books um, off of his course. And um, Pomp is another great example. I think Pomp is doing a great job of his monetization model of using – you know, Pomp raised a rolling fund. Pomp uh, has a paid newsletter. Pomp ha- right, So he has like all these different like stacks of different ways that he's converting – audience trust into value for, for him. And, um, uh, Seth Godin is another one, hugely popular. He used books and then he created the alt NBA, which is like, a how big is that, that? You think that's pretty big. Um, so that does, that does definitely a few million dollars a year. Um, so he was kind of the first one, but it took him like, he was famous for like a decade plus before he even like dabbled in something like that. And, um, Gary V like started an agency. Okay. That you could say that that worked, but I think that's like a really hard path. And so I'm looking at some of these new models and the different ways that guys are doing this. And this is one of them, right? Create, create a, uh, turn your fame into real estate value. So if you're Tim Ferriss, if Tim Ferriss had made, uh, you know, the Tim Ferriss, you know, sort of Zen retreat area, which is basically like a year round place where you can come. If you're a maker, you're trying to pursue a thoughtful lifestyle. You're a lifestyle hacker. You love being in nature. All the things that are that the lifestyle Tim Ferriss preaches, he could have just made essentially a resort, um, or a creator cabin like this and just well, Airbnb I- the shit out of it.
1: I think you're a little wrong. These aren't solopreneur. This is just like the Oprah, Martha Stewart type of thing. Like Seth Godin has a huge team. I think Banner Media has like 800 or 900 people. I think what you're talking about is just monetizing influence, which like that Kylie Jenner, What the fuck is her name? The <laughs> What the How fuck is there? that? Like.
0: Yeah, Kylie Jenner, what'd she do? Tell whatever us, tell us the, more, uh, you expert. The,
1: the, the makeup <laughs> the makeup girl. Uh the Jenner or whatever she is. The famous the famous one on yes. Instagram that my wife watches on TV. Um, I mean, she crushed it. She probably m- became a m- close to a billionaire off that. Right. So I do think some people so, are doing so, it really uh, well. Call,
0: yeah. Okay. So you could say this is influence. I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I, I, the other word I'm using right now is like, a, is a personal media company. I see. It's just a, it's a person's brand. They are the media company. Uh, they're not a part of New York times or Fox or CNBC or whatever. They're just, they're an independent, um, media brand themselves. And that's what, you know the Kardashians are now, and that's what uh, Seth Godin and Tim Ferriss and all these guys.
1: Another are. W- person who did it well is that bulletproof coffee dude. Um. Yep. Dave. So, so uh, there's so there's products. The
0: like for example, I have this new one that I just came came out with this Chrome extension, and I'm going to give it to like the first I don't know like hundred people just to test it out. Um, because I have this, I have a, a to do list. I have a method of productivity, right? I have this one thing I call. I have this method I call the the one big thing, the OBT and i say fuck a to do list you need to have a single focus of if i did this one thing today the day is worth it the day is is a win it's in the win column and everything else is 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 just noise and i have this one focus and so my chrome extension is the one big thing chrome extension it basically says Good morning, Sean. Your one big thing today is, and I type it in, and every time I open a tab, I see this fucking thing. And I love it. It's great. I had it made for me because I liked it, and now I'm just going to give access. And so I'm going to be in the software game. I'm going to be in the fun game. I'm going to be in the physical products game. I'm going to be in all these games eventually. And so I'm studying these models, and I, I'm going to crack the code. Do you think that that will be more fun than starting a business
1: where no one knows who you are?
0: Um... Like just It'd starting. It's more like a, fun for me because I'm kind of an attention whore in that way. Like I, I I like being known for it. I know a lot of people who th- this whole thing doing a podcast and having people, you know, listen to you and having people DM you every morning. That the same thing that gives me energy would be a pain in the ass to them. Um they're like, no, dude, I just want to like look at a spreadsheet and I just want to like make a decision and I want to invest the money and then I want to like go play golf. And like that's winning for them. And that's not winning for me. So yeah, I think I think it depends on the person.
1: That's interesting. I, uh, I yeah, I don't know if I would want to do that or not. Maybe, maybe not. I, uh, it, hmm. I think it's interesting, though, and I think that you'll definitely be able to pull this off. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I think it takes time. Um, OK, I got a, I got a couple more ideas I wanted to throw at you to see what you think. Do the handwritten uh, letter one or okay, a different so, one. Yeah, that, that's the one I wanted to talk about. So discovered this company, again, podcast success story, a listener to the podcast, this guy, Steve Morin, who's a baller. He's like, I think he's head of mobile at Asana or something like that. Um, so he, uh, is a listener to the podcast. He sent me this, he's an investor in my fund and he was like, yo, you should check out this company I invested in. It's doing really good. And, uh, it's called addressable. And so their, their thing is just addressable. Uh, I think it's addressableapp.com or something like that. And what they do is they give businesses like, let's say the hustle or really where they focus is real estate and nonprofits. Um, They give uh, companies like that, that have this big kind of client base, right? If I'm a real estate agent, I have a bunch of people who are like clients and potential clients. If I'm a nonprofit, I have a bunch of donors and potential donors. And I really want to have this like personal relationship. I want to be top of mind for them uh, when the time comes, you know, for real estate, it's when it's time to sell your house for nonprofits. It's like, So that, you know, we give you a personal thank you when you donate and, you know, during the holiday season, when you feel like giving, we're top of mind for you. And so they were like, look, the direct mail industry is huge, right? If you go to your mailbox, you'll see all the junk you get there. And so, like, how do you not just have that be just a giant paper printing waste? And they're like, how do you get your stuff read and how do you get it, like, acted on? So what these guys did is kind of amazing. Um, he showed me their office. They have these robots, and the robot is this giant robot treadmill. It's like a treadmill looking thing with a robot on top of the treadmill. And in the robot's hand is a blue ballpoint pen. And basically, it's this robot that all day, every day, is writing. "Quote unquote," handwritten letters. It looks exactly like a handwritten letter with a real pen um, onto a letter, and it basically pulls your data from your database. So you could be like, you could you could do this for trend yeah. subscribers, for example. You could be like, hey, you know, I want to thank all the trend subscribers, for, you know, once they hit the first month, um, for for being a part of it, and just say a personal thank you from Sam. And so it'll be like, hey, Sean, you know, pulls from the database. Yeah, just want to thank you for being a trend subscriber for X number of months. Um, means a lot to us. Blah blah blah. From Sam and uh, and then they'll the whole and then the, the, when the robot is done writing the thing, the treadmill shoots it to this next robot. That robot puts it in an envelope, like fucking licks the envelope, closes it up, puts it in the bin. And then some like dude comes and takes the bin and mails it out. That's and interesting. It's, it's amazing. Why is that?
1: So when I was in New York, I saw ads on the street constantly for this thing called Bond. Bond, yes. What was it called? Bond, it writing bond or letter
0: or something like that yeah. Bond
1: letter. And they did the same thing. And I looked it up and I didn't think that it was booming. Like the, so they sold the,
0: a few years ago, kind of like a modest sale. Didn't didn't go 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 crazy. What they did wrong, in my opinion, as, as I as I looked at this was, I think a lot of these companies that were doing this, they were trying to do it for consumer so they were yeah. like, oh, that's why they have a fucking billboard out there for you. It's like you should use us to send a, a letter on your behalf to your mom and your auntie and whatever for, for Christmas and what these guys zoned in on i think was a their tech actually is really good so that the, like they can make it look like your handwriting if you want um so like the, the the thing is not like laser printed on where it's like a handwriting font but it's printed no it's like this is an actual fucking pen that actually writes the thing it really does look indistinguishable from a human doing it the second thing is they went for businesses and the segment of businesses that really need this that Real really have state. this problem in a big way so they have like you know, Salvation Army and a bunch of other groups that are like big that, that spend millions of dollars a year on this stuff who are now realizing, oh, shit, if we do this, we get better results. And that's the last thing is that they actually track the full result so they know who they sent it to. And because they hooked into your database, they can tell you when that person takes an action. They can show you the full ROI on this campaign. So they turned it into like a Facebook ad, essentially. How many um, people work there? It's Still a small company. It's pretty cool, though. Based in L.A. How
1: much is it public? How much they've raised?
0: If you want to invest, you, you should invest in this company. I think it's going to be a good, a good company. I'm interested. Is it? Uh, they had only raised uh, up until now. They had only raised like a million and a half dollars. So they were they were doing well uh, on a, on a small amount of money.
1: Wow, I'm super interested. Who's the, who started it? What, what's their story? Uh,
0: the guy's an engineer. He was uh, engineer at OkCupid. Which I was like, boom, love it. Yeah, love uh, that. You know, anytime when you come from a, a company that's like pedigree is like kind of like growth hacking. I'm like, yes. Uh, so, OkCupid okay engineer, then Facebook PM. I was like, okay, great, love it. Also, and then uh, this whole thing made a lot of sense to me.
1: It sounds like your portfolio is going to be pretty badass. Is that do you think so? I mean, like,
0: I hope so. I'm also just easily excitable, so like you know. There's always a counter argument to fucking everything, but, uh, but yeah, I like it. And, you know, if I if I didn't, I wouldn't invest. That's pretty
1: badass. No, I'm into it. I I don't. I think that's a company that for sure can make tens of millions in revenue and be very profitable. Can it be like right? Who like does someone like if you have to act like a, a douche VC, you have to say like. All right, who's going right. to buy who's gonna, How, can it can, can it be huge <laughs> who's going to buy it or like and to those like I don't know what the obvious obvious answer is to that I'm sure there's some direct mailing company that makes billions of years in sales who exactly. none of us know about
0: Exactly. That that's that's my bet as well. Um, I don't even know their name. I just know that direct mail is like this, whatever, like eighty billion dollar industry that every year is dying because more of that budget's going to Facebook and whatnot. And also, I'm I have a philosophy. Uh, I was gonna say thesis, but then I'd have to be a douchebag, so I gotta say I have a idea, um, which is that when um, when 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 the whole world moves one way, it actually creates the opportunity back for the other thing. And so like a great example of this is when Facebook got so popular and Facebook was like, everybody's on it. Every post you do is public. Every it, like your timeline and your photos is all permanent. So as the world became more and more public, permanent, and everybody's on it. It created the demand for something like Snapchat, where it's private, it's ephemeral and not everybody, your mom's not on it. And so, like, it's not that Snapchat was always a good idea. It's that Snapchat actually becomes a better idea the more Facebook dominates. And so I actually think the same thing is happening in this case, for example, where the more everybody pours all their money and attention into digital ads and that becomes more saturated and harder to win. Like these other channels, like print media and like billboards, like I'm a big fan of these other channels now because. Marketers are going to look for where, where can I get an, a different ROI? How can I differentiate my marketing mix? That's not the same playbook as everybody else. And, um, and if you could provide a better product, then, then great. You know? And that's what I think these guys are doing. What's the
1: URL of this company?
0: I think it's addressableapp.com. I mean, I shouldn't even have to give them money after that fucking testimonial. Yeah, that that sounds- should be the, the whole investment. Uh, addressablemail.com. Sorry.
1: By the way, we talked about uh, the fascination recently yes they the founder reached out to me um i'm gonna uh meet up with him uh online or on zoom i think on friday it's the guy who started lisa mattresses yes i didn't know that one of the co-founders yeah i didn't know that and uh anyway i was gonna i'll I'll have to talk to that guy but addressable mail that was because that's another hard name to spell addressablemail.com i'm on the website uh yeah this is gonna be pretty sick
0: Cool. All right. I had three more ideas, but we're out of time. So we'll save it for the next one. All right. Sweet. Abreu, what'd you think of that episode? Let's, let's leave this in the episode, but give us the uh, give us the rating. And Abreu, by the way, loves shitting on me and Sam, so, so it's, he's the right person to ask because he'll give the real deal. No, it was a fun episode. You guys know I'm ADD, so whenever you guys are rapid fire, those are my favorite.
1: This wasn't rapid fire? No, this was. This was boom, boom, boom. Oh, okay. Idea idea idea.
0: And what do you think uh, what was the most interesting one of this t- to you? I like the solo entrepreneur talk because um, I think that's a little different than the stuff that we normally talk about. Um, and I also liked Sean you opening up about the all access pass, giving a little perspective of why you're shutting that down. I think that's a little different. Um, and we can take this out. Would you be willing to all the paid newsletters to put it out to the members of our Facebook group? That you've been oh, doing- you oh. should
1: no. You he, you should sell those. Don't give that <laughs> shit away for free.
0: That's what Ben keeps saying. Ben's just like, dude, you should just sell these for a hundred bucks, sell the whole archive, yes. you know, just day one through, through whatever. And I was like, yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. We'll leave it there. I don't know. I was like, I don't want to do the work of going and finding customers to buy this, but like, yes, we should sell it for anybody who wants it. The Facebook group to look forward to that at some point. Uh, yeah. If you want that, I don't know, just email me and I'll sell it to you for, I don't know, a hundred bucks. You get the whole thing.
1: Let's see if this little mention actually gets you anything. All right. Thank you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Cool.
0: All right, later, guys.